Well, well, welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Sounds Like Radio's Library of Sound. And these, of course, are the Gene Shepherd editions. When you hear this music, you know it's time for Gene Shepherd. And we're going to go to one of my tapes that I recorded on February 13th of 1975. And you know, this is one of my favorite shows, the most memorable well, I think the, this one and also the show he did about Simonizing a Car. This show, all about peace and tranquility. How do you have peace and tranquility? This is a great show if you want to just be able to relax, close your eyes, and listen to Gene Shepard create this peaceful mood with the Koto guitar from Japan playing in the background. Oh, this is such a wonderful show. He also talks about uh, getting some bad junk mail. That happens, too. And uh, let's see, he talks uh, about, uh, well, anyway, this is just a good show because it's mainly, I remember it as the show of peace and tranquility. That's what I'm going to call it. Oh, yeah. Let's listen. This is an enjoyable one, friends. A program I recorded on February 13th, 1975. Let's listen now to Inside Gene Shepherd. exotic, erotic, soft and billowing. <laughs> you don't mind if I wear my shades when I work here, do you, Larry? You don't mind? Ah, you're a man of taste and discrimination. and discrimination, of course. You know, speaking of taste and discrimination and all them beautiful things, I sitting there looking at an ad in the silly section of the New York Times. You know, there's a silly section there where you can buy uh, surplus bolo knives and surplus 155 howitzers and all that kind of stuff. You've seen this silly section back there. And I, I find some really great things in the silly section from time. Of course, since this is a summer is coming on, you know, it uh, has a <laughs> has a certain note of shrillness to it. I got an ad the other day in the in the in the mail, you know, and it just uh, said that at long last uh, a book is available entitled uh, "Victorious Praying." And uh, I don't know somehow that rang a little ding dong. And uh, I was just sitting here reading this little ad here, speaking of truth and beauty and men of discrimination and taste. Uh, Larry, would you please give me a little? Uh, cheap, second-rate uh, Japanese koto music. Please bring it on here. Sneak it in there. Good. Yeah, there you go. Ah, the ancient kingdom of Japan. The ancient empire. Redolent with rich poetic images. And the floating lotus leaf 
drifts over the deep green pool of time, observed only by the passing croak of a small tree frog. to you an ad that I think is in keeping with the poetic spirit of ancient Japan. It combines ancient Japan and modern Japan nicely. And it's an ad which I now hold up before you. It's going into my vast trivia file of how it really is in our time. And it's entitled Transistor Singing Birds. Create your own garden of paradise. Transistorized birds, and I read the copy. Sensational, ornamental, electronically controlled transistor singing birds of happiness from Japan have ancient charm. They're relaxing, delightful, enchanting. And they're fully transistorized with a concealed on and off switch. And the birds automatically sing at 12 to 15 second intervals. And you can select your type of transistorized singing birds to give you the ancient tranquility of the temple gardens of the old empire. Our most popular model is the Satsuri, or the temple bird in a gilded cage, symbolically enough. ACDC and satisfaction guaranteed. All saw, one sit and contemplate infinite and listen to transistorized temple bird singing at twilight as sun go down over ancient sea of Japan. Bird faintly beginning to lose power, possibly need new battery. I replace batteries and return Temple Bird to its cage, better to sing for the mouth. And of course, all of you who are familiar with the ancient court poetry of Japan, the haiku written by such great poets as Basho, other poets of the period, writing haiku to transistorize singing birds it just sort of fits. I can, I can, I can write my own haiku tonight. All C-type battery, all bird of transistor song, a bow breaks, a child cries, an AC-DC switch moves to on. Bird sing. So tonight, we take this little moment out, this little moment of tranquility to salute the new transistor world of ancient Japan, where even serenity in poetry comes with an AC-DC switch available in battery or AC-powered form. Beauty, stem all from man, stem all from the ancient gods of time. ACDC transistorized lotus, all float eternally on sea of memory. Old people bow into wind, 
battery dead. It's kind of nice, isn't it? You'd like more of that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Thank you. I suppose I'm a transistorized bird for most of you. I sing as long as your batteries keep working. And the minute your batteries go or your fuse blows, ah, oh, Shepard, he stops sing. Stop song of eternal bird perched on ancient bough. Ah, ancient sumac tree of all time. <laughs> well, uh, I just, uh, you know, it's just, uh, just the way it's kind of going. I kind of like that, though. Everywhere you look, you see things are happening that way. I, I kind of, uh, you know, the beauty in poetry is, uh, is, uh, is a thing that has very little place in our world. You must agree. Uh, for example, I got a letter from a kid here. I'm reading it. It says, Shepherd, he says, uh, what am I going to do? I, I don't often read letters from people on here, but I just have to do this because I, I'm sure that more than a few of you have been in this uh, particular uh, quandary. He says, Shepard, my English teacher, I don't know what to say, said, I did my book report on Wanda Hickey, Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories, your book, and he gave me a 78 because I didn't give the theme, the teaching advantages, and a psychological report on the characters. <laughs> That's what's happening to the book report world in our time. He says, now tell me, Shepard, what the hell is the theme and the teaching advantages, and how the hell do you psychologically report on Delbert Bumpus? Well, I would be more interested in a psychological report on your teacher. I think that would be far more revealing to us. Uh, you know, can you, imagine, can you imagine the kid giving a psychological report and uh, the motivations and the teaching advantages of, let's say, uh, Oh, let's say, uh, Candide. Uh, have you ever read Candide? You should. He sounds like a lot of our political candidates. You may find him very interesting, Larry. <laughs> he really does. Uh, and, uh, it, it, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but the, but, but the inexpr inexpressible does not lend itself to teaching advantages, nor psychological advantages. Uh, dissection. And now it may lend itself to transistorization. There's no question about that. I mean, as long as you can buy transistorized nightingales to sing in the night, to, uh, to turn on underneath your loves. Oh, yes, I'm sure that, uh, that, uh, that it's, you know, that, uh, that the transistor world has completely changed the world of, of uh, say, such things as serenades outside of, a, outside of a lovely girl's apartment, you know, down by the balcony there in, in old Spain, for example. You know that uh, this is an old tradition in Spain, you know, standing under the window there and uh, playing your guitar. Well, this used to be a, a pretty tough thing. You had to play the guitar pretty good. You couldn't stand under the chick's uh, uh, bedroom window there and just uh, strum away at the only chord you know, the G minor chord. <laughs> and, and it used to really be pretty, pretty tough, you know, pretty tough cutting for a guy who couldn't play the guitar. And so today... Uh, Japan, what's going on in there, for heaven's sakes? Today in Japan, or rather in, in, uh, in Spain, you can buy a Spanish guitar. It looks beautiful. It looks like a real Spanish guitar. But it has built into it a tape, a transistorized tape, and it's completely self-contained. Nobody would even know. It doesn't have a cord running out of it. And you can sit there and strum this guitar. 
and uh, it plays itself. It's like a, it's what well, you've seen player pianos, haven't you? Well, you know, you can now buy a player guitar that really plays. And you just stand under this chick's uh, uh, balcony there, and you turn it up to, say, uh, love sonnets from the Portuguese. You know, you turn it up, <laughs> and it plays away. See, it, uh, and she looks down and says, oh, oh, Carlos, I didn't know that you could play the guitar so beautifully. You were bringing tears to my eyes. You were making all my glands work at once. And you, you just say nothing. You just look enigmatic, and you allow your eyes to wander romantically over her lovely, luscious figure, and your guitar swells and plays. And the Japanese brought it all to us. A little more Japanese there, please. Without the transistor, I mean, there'd be so many untalented guys revealed for what they are. Untalented. And that's the worst thing that can happen to a man in today's world, to be standing naked before all of his fellow men his batteries have run down, and nothing works. Mm. Now, you can define batteries any way you want, friends, if you wish. That's your problem, not mine. I only uh, create the poetry. You analyze it. Oh, tree frog. Oh, bow. A sickle moon riffles the dark waters and the fish sleeps. That's kind of nice, isn't it? I thought you'd like that. <laughs> God, yes, I thought you'd that'd get right to you there. Yeah. You're not really listening to the real shepherd tonight, by the way. This is the first experimental model that is totally transistorized. We've set it to poetic sardonic images tonight. It plays real good. Yes, fully operational, self-controlled, self-contained, and has an AVC circuit, which is an automatic voice control circuit, which keeps me in dulcet tones so that you can clearly understand the poetic nuances of the images that float and drift before your passing mind. Yes, your mind drifting like a leaky rowboat, taking water at every seam yet bearing a proud name, Pequod, emblazoned upon its bow, moving over the riffling waters, the waters made soft and bending quietly under the southwest breeze. Oh, breeze that blew over the ancient tombs of the early gods, carrying to you the clashing swords of the samurai. Not gone. Never here. But always sounding into the south breeze. The lotus petal opens. A perfume drifts over the moss. Old bullfrog swallows twice and the first mosquito of the season meets his maker. You like that, didn't you? <laughs> I'm telling you, gang. There's just no substitute for talent. Oh, I like that. Oh, do it again, yeah. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> 
Hey, listen, I got, uh, among all my other junk mail, I get a lot of junk mail. It's great mail. Junk mail. Of course, it's not the kind of junk mail that uh, most people... <laughs> you know, junk has a different... Uh, has a different meaning in the street than uh, what I'm using here. You know, you know what is it? Real junk, right? Well, they don't send that to you in the mail unless they're willing to really risk a long stretch and a slam. But uh, the kind of junk mail I get is kind of great. You know, I I'm on a on a list of uh, connoisseurs. I kind of like being a connoisseur. I like to be described as a connoisseur. I it makes you feel real good, especially when uh, you open up the letter and it says, "Dear connoisseur." We've produced another fantastic line of 8-millimeter films and 35-millimeter color slides. Uh, for example, our newest one is called Fat Girls of Denmark. And uh, a connoisseur of your type will immediately enjoy this new line. And we are closing some samples. Well, the other day, I'm, <laughs> you see, have you ever gotten that kind of mail? You haven't. Have you, Jerry? Well, I don't know how to explain it, uh, Maybe the devil is working in devious ways these days. Of course, the devil always did work in devious ways. I, I suspect the devil knows the, who the true evil people are. And since the devil does not have unlimited mailing privileges, uh, he probably saves a little dough here and there by not sending off the kind of stuff that uh, I get to people like you and Larry, who are obviously of the, you know, the good folk. You only get ads for the Reader's Digest and stuff like that, right? Well, you should see what I get. You know, I'm never on any of the Reader's Digest list. You know, have you? The other day, they had a TV thing that says, "In a few days, you will receive uh, a, a a letter from the Reader's Digest containing a fantastic new offer." I never get anything from the Reader's Digest, but I sure as hell get something from this place in Stockholm, where they do uh, interesting color slides of the fat girls of Denmark, and available only to connoisseurs. So uh, the other day, I'm sitting in my office, say, and. Uh, See, I've got this little ploy. I think everybody has little ploys that he works in his life, you know, like, uh, like Larry once in a while. I'm sure that when you're talking to somebody, you know, you, you, uh, when you're biting, you, you know, you're trying to, we're, you were playing for time, see, when you're playing for time. What do you do? Uh, in, in a movie made in 1937, if you ever watch any old movies, whenever the character is, is, uh, has been, somebody says something to him, like, uh, we're going to have to rob the bank. And he's playing for time. What does he do? Well, he does what Humphrey Bogart always did. He'd, he'd carefully light up a cigarette. I mean, he lights up the cigarette scene. He's playing for time. He's thinking about what he's going to say. Well, everybody has these little ploys in his life, right? You play for time. Now, it's so subtle that most people are not even aware they do it. So uh, if you start yelling at the guy behind the counter, I'd say, hey, Charlie, when the hell are you going to get that hot dog over here? Well, he starts playing for time by immediately picking up his little book and checking numbers or something like he's been busily doing this, see? Well, this is his way to, to buy for time, see? He's bidding for time. Now, Larry, I don't know what you do. You run your hand through your hair and knock the golf balls out of it or something. I don't know what it is. What do you do when you're... What do you do when, when, somebody, when some chick says something to you and you don't quite know what to answer right away? What do you do? You just sit there with a dumb look? Yeah, that's right. That's good. He starts scratching his beard. See, he looks down and he, he starts looking through his beard for beard roaches, see? And like that. I, that's a very good one. That's good. That's, that's a good one. Uh, that's, that's carried a lot of guys right to the top, man. I'll tell you, it's carried guys all the way into the U.N. It's carried them into the Supreme Court, that one. That looks very good. Well, to guys who don't have beards, uh, uh, mustache twirlers do that, too. There are certain guys I know that when, 
when they're, uh, you know, suddenly they're in a position where they're going to have to, they don't want to immediately answer, see? So they start playing with their mustache. They go up like that, see, and they fool around with their mustache, a little bit, see? Well, Shepard's got his own ploy. So the other day, uh, this uh, executive type walks into my office, see, and he had that look on his face. You know, you, you can always tell the look on a face. It's bad news approaching. And uh, he's got these watery blue BBs that he wears for eyes. See, he comes walking into the into the office there, and I'm sitting surrounded by all my stuff. See, I'm surrounded by all this kind of stuff. I got my little ant colony going over there, and I have this uh, this uh, this hive of bees. I'm 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 raising my own honey now, and she's not taking it too well. But I'm raising my own honey now in in the in the office. I have a little beehive there, and various things. You know, my model airplane is there, and and all this stuff that I keep going with, and. And my ploy, whenever somebody walks in, is to start fooling with the mail. See, I keep a pile of mail on the desk, look like I'm busy. See, so in case something embarrassing is asked, I can say, well, just a minute, Fred, I've got to look at this. So uh, he comes in there with these little blue watery BBs, see, looking real bad. And he's carrying one of these blue slips that we get once in a while, which are called laughingly around here memos. Actually, what they are is threats. So uh, he walks in, he's got this little blue... <laughs> Little thing, see? So I, I could see right away by the look in that left BB that uh, it's bad news. So immediately I'm playing for time. See, and I also have this switch that I step on under my desk, which alerts Jerry, my producer. I, it immediately alerts Jerry that it's hit the fan again, see? At which point Jerry, in a loud voice, hollers, uh, The coast is on the phone! See? And then, then of course, when I get on, that always cows any executive. The minute you, somebody hollers, the coast is on the phone. What he doesn't really say is that I'm getting a call from Minerva, New Jersey, which is just outside of Atlantic City. Now, authentically, that's a coast, isn't it? I mean, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so we've got all, all kinds of, uh, this is all called survival techniques in the Crystal Palace. Uh, you have to learn survival techniques. It's like, uh, it's like courtiers in the ancient courts of, of the Louis of uh, France. You learned all kinds of ways to survive because if you made a false move, if you, you know, arrived wearing the wrong bib or, or uh, you gave, you know, you gave the queen a funny look one day in the middle of the minuets or whatever you were dancing, you were liable to find your head bouncing into a basket with all the, che you know, the cheers of the multitude, your last big act in showbiz. Well, uh, it, that's uh, quite similar to our situation as it is in most big organizations. You understand that, don't you, Larry? You, see, this is all part of your education. You want to be in this business, right? All right. You're listening to a master. Shepard's one great talent is survival. By God, I'm hard to kill. I'll tell you, <laughs> there's been many that tried. And uh, where are they today? They're working in Chillicothe. So, uh, you know, you, 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 you learn these techniques. You have all kinds of little ploys. So one of my ploys is to know the look in the eye of, of, of the guy when he walks in and uh, when he's, you know, it's bad newsville. So Shepard is sitting in there. And in comes the exec. You got the scene. And his left BB is looking particularly menacing today. His, his right BB is his bad one. It's got advanced astigmatism. And I think he has triple vision in it, uh, especially after lunch, a three-hour lunch. Uh, <laughs> with, you know, with all the little libations and so on that go on at a three-hour executive lunch. So he walks in, and he's got this blue slip. Well, immediately I realize what's happening. I kick the switch. And I can hear it buzzing out there, Jerry's desk. Well, unfortunately, Jerry has gone out to the coffee machine. So here I am. It's like, you know, it's like being in a bank, and you've kicked the special switch, which alerts them at the 12th precinct, and all the cops are out to lunch. Well, what do you do, you know? So I hit the buzzer again, and he, he sees me jumping up and down on the buzzer. Say, he says, what's the matter? He says, you having trouble with roaches again in your office? 
And I said to him, well, no, Jim, actually, I, I cleared the roaches out, but, you know, we're having mice trouble. You heard about the mice, you know. We're having a hell of a thing with mice, especially over in that file cabinet over there by Elsie there. They come in out there. She keeps a peanut butter in the bottom drawer, and they love it, you know. And at that point, uh, he turned, see. Well, I immediately grabbed my mail because I'm going, I'm, I'm, this is, you know, my ploy. I always go through my mail when I'm trapped. Well, I pick up the mail, and without, I, it's silly. You know, you shouldn't do these things without considering the consequences of your act. I, I, as a true guerrilla fighter, I must always track, uh, track easy, man. Move, move quick, easy, give a low silhouette, always. Know when to talk and when to shut up. Right, Larry? That's the thing, man. You learn that quick. So at this point, it is shut upsville. Uh, I know that, see? So the only way I can shut up gracefully is by looking through my mail like there's something important in it, see? So I grabbed the top letter, which was fat, and I opened it up, and just as, as, as this, uh, this executive turns to look back at my desk, he's, he's going out to look at the mice, he turns back to me just as I open the thing, and out fall three sample slides of the fat girls of Denmark. Right there on the desk. Well, I don't have to tell you, this guy's a Sunday school teacher. It's his hobby. He teaches Sunday school. And uh, he, he looks at the fat girls of Denmark for a second, which as they were spread eagle there on the desk, and he looks down at that, and he says, oh, uh, you're t I didn't know you were a camera bug. And I said, well, uh, and I just got it out, out of my mouth. Well, uh, and he grabs one of the slides. He says, oh, color, I love color. I, I do a lot of color. I use a knife kind of. He holds it up to the light, and he sees one of the fattest girls of Denmark in beautiful, majestic Eastman Kodachrome color. Looks at it like that, and he says, Say, he said, uh, you use a filter? Uh, are you using a haze filter on this? And I said, well, no, Jim. I'm, I'm, actually, I didn't use a filter. You know, that's, uh, I'm using uh, artificial light there, and, and I, I, I used uh, their, their H film, you know, for the artificial light, and uh, I used a blue flash. It's very interesting, very interesting. Huh. By God, your, your magenta's come up real good. And I said, yes, uh, they do, uh, very, very good. Yes, they do. I said, of course, you realize that, uh, that I'm using a retina 2A. He says, retina 2A? By God, that's very interesting. He said, uh, I've, uh, I used to have a retina 2A. I'm very sorry I sold it. See, you see how it's working? I've got him completely off the track. And I also see he's very interested in my pictures of the fat girls of Denmark. But he doesn't want to get to it. He says, listen, uh, can I take those slides along? I want to show it to Al up on the 23rd. You know, he's interested in this, uh, this new uh, indoor uh, artificial light stuff with the blue flash. And I said, okay, fine, take him up, Jim. He hasn't come back. He's a connoisseur. You know, well, he, he's interested in color values. That's what he's interested in. Beautiful composition, too. Because this one chick was photographed against the skyline, it looked like. She, you know, dressed kind of funny for being in a skyline scene, but uh, kind of interesting. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all part of this this world of the connoisseur, and I, I enjoy it. I, I say that, uh, you know, six of one, half a dozen the other. For example, now, now, wait a minute, now, now, that's not all. It's not all. I'm, I'm a connoisseur of many things. All of us connoisseurs are that way. You know, we don't, we don't just stick to one thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the, the fat girls of Denmark, I suppose. Uh, I didn't ask for that. Uh, it came in just in the mail like that. Uh, I received a, uh, a flyer in the same mail, as a matter of fact. It says, prayer will bring you anything you want instantly with this new dial-a-prayer slide rule device. It says maybe you've been praying wrong. It says maybe you've been approaching God the wrong way in our new dial-a-prayer dial slide rule device in seven beautiful colors, and it's washable and guaranteed for a lifetime. 
uh, only for three ninety-five. It says you can dial a prayer. It says uh, you can be more victorious in your praying. So I looked at that for a while, and while my executive friend was up on the twenty-third, I dialed a few prayers, and you know, see whether or not that would work. It hasn't worked yet. I'm waiting. You see what I dialed for? It says anything you want, you can get instantly. And uh, so I tried the thing. It says uh, they sent me a sample dial a prayer slide rule device and. You saw it on my desk, didn't you, Jerry? Well, I dialed this thing. It says instantaneous success. And uh, it says, uh, and under H4, which was a, a blue strip on this thing, I dialed a, an act of nature. And I, I uh, dialed uh, hoping that the 23rd floor would be hit by lightning. That's what I prayed for on my dial a prayer thing. But it hasn't happened yet. Maybe we, maybe I'm a little hasty. But it said instantly nothing's happened. Although they did blow a fuse in the water cooler. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe I, you know, maybe I haven't learned how to work the thing right yet, you know. So uh, each guy in his own way, he, you know, he has to try, uh, you know, the best. Uh, for example, here I have another, I have another ad here that says that I can buy myself a swastika cross for my uh, motorcycle. It says it lights up. Uh, you know what a swastika is, don't you? You don't know what a swastika is? Well, I'll have to explain it to you. That's the, that's uh, <laughs> the symbol of, uh, oh, what was his name? Um, the little guy with a mustache. Uh, Charlie Chaplin played him in the movies. What was his name? Uh, you know, they, they did a film of his life. Uh, anyway, he had this thing, a sign. See, it was, a, it was like a thing. See, and I can buy it. It says a swastika. It says amazing. Mystify your friends. It says be uh, the most exciting sight on the Long Island Expressway. I bet that would make me the most exciting, especially certain parts of uh, the Bronx if I had a swastika that lit up on the back of a motorcycle, see. So I, I, uh, I, I looked at that ad, and I don't know, you know, there it is. I have it here, in case you would like to order one, Larry. I don't know, Jerry, would you like to order one? It says, works on bicycles, too. So, uh... <laughs> well, I, look, I don't make the news, man. I only report it, for God's sakes, you know. Be, uh, be, a, little, uh, be a little tolerant here. And so I, I, I'm sitting there thinking about that, see, and I... Amid all my other junk mail, I got the following uh, piece of uh, information for those of you who are interested in literature out there. Now, uh, if you don't think this is relevant to life, I think this is far more relevant than any of the, anything that the politicians are saying. Um, and the average guy sitting in his, in his home can get, the, can get a, you know, a sample of pornographies from Denmark. He can get an ad for a, a swastika that lights up for his motorcycle. And the following ad, which I, I thought was kind of nice, it said... Uh, it uh, says, uh, new books, just out. Uh, just out. The, uh, uh, the publisher announces the following new books. And there was a big headline that says, these books, some of these books, and I'm quoting, some of these books will probably become classics. Well, you know, that's pretty exciting for a publisher to announce right there flat that some of his books are going to become classics, even before they're out. You know, that's, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's in one way, it's, uh, that's optimism. That's, uh, you know, power of positive thinking. So uh, it, the outside of the folder just said some of these books will probably become classics. Well, now, all of you know what the classics are. You've seen them, you know, stuff like Moby Dick, uh, Silas Marner, the great classics, Hamlet. Uh, you know about these classics. So I opened it up, find out what, you know, what's going to be the future classics. And here are some of the titles of the future classics, according to this uh, this. Uh, publisher. He sent this to me. Fever in the Flesh. Now, I don't know what that is about. It's not, it could, uh, well, I'm just, you know, reading the actual titles. Between Two Lovers. <laughs> uh, here's another one. Uh, Bruce Kimley Returns. 
Well, I didn't know he'd ever left. I, I don't know about Bruce. I didn't read the first Bruce. Probably Bruce Kimley must have done something good in the first book, but it's going to be a classic. Sex and Astrology. That's a, one of the future classics. Executive Suite Sex Spy. Future classic. Uh, Campus of Carnal Knowledge. <laughs> uh, Diary of a Two-Way Nymphette. Well, when I reached that point, I realized, uh, once again, the junk mail had not failed me. And it's just guaranteed to become classics. And I, and I immediately I thought to myself, gee, classics, I can see future scholars burning the midnight oil over these, you know, trying to get the hidden symbolism in, the, for example, Sleep In Maid, the hidden symbolism. Would you please give me a little of that cheap honking music, please? Please, just uh, sneak it in there on me. Uh, once again, once again, we have to return to serenity. I have to turn my knob here to serenity and inner contemplation. There, that's better. It's, could we uh, address, uh, excuse me, while I, while I adjust this thing here, you have to have a screwdriver to adjust the machine. Hold on a minute there. I'm adjusting this uh, set screw here under, uh, under uh, understanding. I have an understanding knob on my machine here. There, that's good. That's better. It's fine. Now, uh, would you please bring it up a little bit there? Larry, please. Oh, yes. See, the sound of the scratch of the record must be understood as part of the sound. Without the sound of the record scratching, it's like the frame of a painting. The painting without a frame is a painting without a frame. The painting in a frame is a painting. And the sound of a transistorized koto player without a record scratch is a transistorized koto player. But the sound of a transistorized koto player with a record scratch is the sound of transistorized serenity, beauty of our time. Yes, as we all pursue serenity and peace of mind, we are aided indeed by the world's laboratories, man ceaselessly chipping away at the unknown, at the mystery of the dark, at the mystery of the great death, as he chips and hacks away, filling his test tubes, grinding his crystals, stringing his wires, Always working, always working at the great attenuator knob of the now and the here. And eventually, man will be seated at a vast control board. He will be able to control the lightning and the storms and the thunder and the crash of the waves, the surf upon the ancient rocks of the coast of Maine. letting you look at your navel for a while. Bad scene, right? Look carefully at it. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Did you hear the new rock group? Curt rejection and the uns unsolicited manuscripts? <laughs> well, there was one playing over at the garden the other day called Rank Nepotism in the Promotions. 
Come on, sing it out. Please. Don't, don't hesitate. March right out into the water. Join all of your other organic beings. Ah, he's singing well tonight. He's singing for all of us. This transistorized temple nightingale. He's blowing his cool, too, but he'll get past that part. That's the part where the samurai really give him hell. Led by Mufune. Tashiro Mufune. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Larry. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. It is now quiet in the cave. The shades of night have fallen. The last leaf has dropped from the bough, and the clouds have obscured the moon. And darkness, like a huge, thick, heavy, palpable velvet curtain, encompasses all of us. The fire has burned itself out, and naught but ashes remain. And so we squat around the cold bits of charred and burned wood and wait for the next onslaught. It will come. It always has. It always will. One of our members dozes. Another quietly knits at a symbolic a beautifully contrived doily, an attempt to create beauty where beauty did not exist. But is this not a conundrum itself? Does not beauty exist because beauty is? Do not you exist because you are? And the mosquito flies past the cave mouth. The tree frog dozes, lets him fly by in peace, his wings humming. Beauty is because beauty is. Hmm. A rose is a rose, a pigeon ugly, grass alas. tonight's salute to Tiny Tim. Stay tuned for tomorrow when we will salute Hugh Downs as uh, once again man engages himself in the futile battle to stop the eternal wearing blender of life. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad image itself. Yes, the wearing blender of life grinds exceedingly fine.
eternal ballpoint big pen of fate writes on and on and all your tears nor all your wailing will stop not a jot nor a line have you done any writing with a grape or a banana lately be the only show within recent memory that somebody along the line didn't say something about uh, I can't believe I ate the whole thing this was a Rune Arledge production How do you feel, huh? Do you feel peaceful? Ah, tranquil? Yeah, I feel tranquil. Peaceful and tranquility. That's the name of the show that I call it. Ah, yes, with those, with that great Koto guitar playing in the background, the frogs on the lily pads floating by. Ah, such beautiful imagery. Gene Shepard. Nobody can do it like the great Gene Shepard here on the Library of Sound. I am your humble host. Until next time, then, when we return with more Gene Shepard or who knows what. It's the Library of Sound, and you never can tell what you're going to find. Right here, every week, on the Library of Sound. I am your humble host saying so long for now. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.